Welcome to the 12th episode of the Invincibly Supermassive Comic Book Podcast of Stuff. I am Tony Guerrero, the editor-in-chief of Comic Vine. And each and every week, except for the first week, I've had a really cool guest. This week we have Sam Humphreys. Yes, King. Yes, I. Yes, Internet. It's I, I, Sam the Hammer Humphreys. So just in case the, 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 like the two or three people that might not know who you are, you are the current writer, upcoming writer. So the day this people are listening to this right now, Uncanny yeah. X-Force, Marvel Now, number one, yes. on sale. You are the new writer. You're That's taking right. over. You're, yeah, I'm excited. You also have um, Sacrifice number four is out today. Correct. Yeah. And you also are the writer on Ultimate Comics Ultimates. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a the under the Ultimates. The uh, there, there probably should be, but I don't think there is. And and yes, yeah, lots lots of cool stuff. Um, so I think we need to talk about Uncanny X Force since that's the book coming out. Right. And, yeah, let's do it. And you know, a lot of people are going to be looking at this because you know, I, I, there's this other guy. Um, he was it Rick Rick something Rick, Rick Remender. <laughs> Had this, yes, yes, indeed. Like thir- man, Rick, thirty-five issues, I think, something like that. Yeah. I think people kind of liked it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, when did you find out about the relaunch and that you were going to be doing this and picking up the series after Rick? Well, it was kind of a gradual conversation. You know, I'd done um, John Carter, The Gods of Mars from Marvel. Um, I was writing the Ultimates. I hadn't, uh, you know, shot my foot off yet. Uh, I hadn't tanked any books. I, I wasn't a jerk to work with. Um, and then, you know, it just it just kind of came up in conversation, really, with editorial and with editor in chief Axel Alonso. The fact that um, uh, Rick was going to be Rick, Rick had some new books, new big books that he was taking on, and as a consequence, he'd have to be leaving um, Uncanny X Force, and that was the same conversation i had about ultimate sue was jonathan hickman has some really big books coming up but to accommodate his schedule he's gonna have to tearfully depart from the ultimates of course jonathan ended up working on avengers and new avengers and rick ended up working on uncanny avengers and uh uh captain america so you know i mean with marvel it's 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 like pretty casual it's it's kind of like yeah so uncanny x-force is going to be open what do you think about that um and I immediately was all for it. I've been a fan of Rick's Uncanny X-Force since long before Marvel even knew my name to offer <laughs> me a book. Um, so, yeah, I said, I, I want that. Give me that. Now, we, we also had um, – because I was a big fan of, of, of Craig Kyle and Chris Yost. Yeah. Their regular X-Force. And then, you know, here it's, it's like, ah, the, the book's ending. You know, it's like, okay, Rick Remender's doing it. And then, you know, you, it's like you didn't think it could get better. And then Rick comes – so now you're going to come and you're going to make it better, right? Yeah, I'm going to kick Rick's <laughs> ass is what I'm going to do. <laughs> so, and and what's um, – I don't know if this was all planned or not, but it's like each incarnation has been a little different in a direction. 
Oh yeah, every every time X Force comes around, it has a whole new incarnation. It has a whole new vibe. It has a whole new purpose. It has a whole new like the soul of the book is different every time. Um, and that's that's almost that that's one of only two content or constants that the book has has always had. Um, so you know the other thing is that I love Rick's run, but I love it enough to leave it alone. Nobody wants to see me try and do some warmed-over version of Rick Remender. Uh, that's going to be a terrible experience for everyone. It's going to be terrible for me. be terrible for Rick. Marvel doesn't want that. Readers don't want that. So we're, we're taking a, a hard left out of the, the Black Ops Assassination Squad and driving into Mutant Ninja Noir territory. Nice. Now, you didn't answer one question. When did you um, find out that, you know, when did they offer this to you? Oh, I, I mean, it was earlier this year or early 2007. I think we find, I think it was a done deal in, um, July, maybe. Okay. So you've been keeping this and then it was announced, uh, I'm trying to think back. It was like September or October. No, no, no. It was after that. I was remember when they, they started teasing killers. Yeah. So that that's the other, and I I thought you were going to write about the band. (laughs) <laughs> nope so that that's the other thing okay so the big teaser and you know marvel is is notorious for these teasers and they're great because they people will complain about it but they will start talking and talking and talking oh, yeah. um you know that that's what marvel does over dc is they, they put out all these teasers and even like avengers versus x-men you know some people were, were a little jaded on that but it's like it didn't matter there's a teaser they they talked about it on on you know on the message boards and all that mm-hmm. so with Storm on there, and you know, because it's X Force, and the, the teaser is killers, so how much killing is there going to be? Well, I can finally reveal the true killer of Uncanny X Force, and that is Ron Garney, because he is killing it on this book. <laughs> uh, he, you know, he's got. Yeah, he's, he's well known for his incredible storytelling and his uh, his, his knuckle blistering action. But um, you know, I, I think what people don't always realize is that he's got crazy styles that he's just sitting on, waiting for the right opportunity. You know, in Wolverine, he busted out the uninked, uh, scratchy pencil look, which was perfect for Wolverine. You know, the, I love the Get Mystique. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, story he did with Jason Aaron, um, but now that we're we're doing Uncanny X Force, it's, it's a different vibe, and he's breaking out this sleek, sexy look that he's pulling together with the help of uh, inker Danny Mickey and um, the colorist uh, Matteo Scalera. Um, so you know that's that's what I you know in, in my mind that's what Killers is referring to because we're 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 exiting the the world of. Uh, um, of, of Black Ops Wetworks, and we're heading into the world of Mutant Ninja Noir. So, um, are, are they going to be? Uh, how's the squad going to work? I mean, because like X Force was always, you know, hush hush, and no one knew that they even. I don't know how no one knew that they were like all these X Men were disappearing, going on these missions <laughs> and coming back. Just like wanted saying that they're going to go to the bathroom and then yeah. they're not back for like two weeks. Yeah, and their, their blood are you know covered or clothes are covered covered with blood, and so yeah. I, I assume they wash their own clothes or. You know, do something. It's like, it's like, so, um, now it, are, is, are like the other X-Men going to know that they're together as X-Force? Well, I, it's, it's a new, 
it's a new dawn in the Marvel universe. We are now in the post Avengers versus X Men era, um, and this is you know now we've got things going on. They're a little crazy. Like Wolverine is running a goddamn prep school, and Rogue is an Avenger. You know, like there's still uh, got to be a place for the the you know the weirdos, the outcasts, the scoundrels. Uh, and that's what Uncanny X-Force is. This is a team um, that's comfortable uh, with the shadows. They're, they will not hesitate to go into the dark corners of the Marvel Universe. They'll deal with things that Uncanny X-Force or Uncanny Avengers don't even want to know about. Um, you know, the, the X-Men have always been the team that is hated and feared by humanity. Well, Uncanny X-Force is going to take care of the things that the X-Men hate and fear. Um, so that's where we're going with the book. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a collection of people who um, just aren't buying into Captain America's whole Uncanny Avengers scene, whether they're invited to be a part of it or not. Um, and they're, they're, they're finding their place in this new AVX world. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of books with uncanny in the title, but uncanny X-Force is going to be the most uncanny of them all. Now, I, I thought about, um, when I had to come up with a name for this podcast yeah. and, you know, and I just there have a bunch of ridiculous, you know, adjectives and stuff in there. I thought about using uncanny, but I was like, I don't know if I could do that. Cause you know, you, you associate uncanny with, with Marvel, but you know, obviously they don't own a copyright on on that that word oh yeah oh for your i thought you yeah yeah yeah, no, yeah now i see what you're saying <laughs> no they they they, they no the, you can't you can't copyright uncanny i don't believe except i think skull kickers they they had a oh yeah they, they've right. been playing around there was like uncanny skull kickers or something like that yeah 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 now um what's the continuity like like you know with you and, and the other x writers and because you know that that's comic book readers you know they they get hung up on it sometimes and you know myself included and i know sometimes you just need to let go and just say you know don't worry about that just enjoy the stories and you know it, it doesn't matter how wolverine can be in you know 18 books in one week so because um you know storm is in wolverine and the x-men and i believe uh storm and psylocke are both going to be in x-men the brian oh, yeah. wood book mm-hmm. so how how are you guys like coordinating you know making sure or is it just a, like a different day? You know, should we just like not get hung up on it? It's 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 nothing worth getting hung up over, really. I mean, me, myself, Jason, Aaron, and Brian Wood and Brian Michael Bendis, we're all in contact. We're all, um, you know, collaborating on plans. Um, but it's you know, we're we're writing different books. We're writing different stories. Um, so when when there's when there's ways for the, those books to intersect in a way that's organic and meaningful, we'll definitely do that. And I think the Mohawk is a really good example of mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, I was coming in as as the 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 kid, you know, the kid at the end of the the buffet, uh, the, the the new kid on the block, so to speak. Um, so, and I knew that Storm was going to be in at least two. Turned out to be three other X Men books. Um, so when I suggested the Mohawk. I was expecting to get shot down, but instead of saying no, or you can't do that, or only that can only happen somewhere else, or whatever, the the response was, okay, that's really cool. Why would you do that? Um, and I my my argument is twofold. One is that the 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 origin of the Mohawk comes from a time in Storm's life that was marked by turmoil and chaos. The the fashion the the the, the Mohawk wasn't a fashion statement. It was like an external. 
expression of internal turmoil. A flash forward to today, uh, Storm just got dumped by the Black <laughs> Panther. You know, mm-hmm. she's no longer a queen. She's no longer a wife. The life, the future she thought she had in front of her has been ripped away. Her mentor, the closest thing that she's had to a stable father figure in her life, Professor X, has been murdered, and he's been murdered by one of her best friends growing up. And the place where she did most of her growing up, uh, Professor Xavier's school, is gone. And what's replaced it is new and exciting, but it's also terrifying. So I made the argument that this is one of the most uh, turmoil-filled phases in Storm's life. And the Mohawk is a great visual way to express what she's going through as a character. Um, the other argument I made is that the Mohawk is fucking badass. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I, I applied my case and all the other creators were like, great, let's do it. Sounds, sounds awesome. So it, it really becomes about who's got the, who's got the best idea, who's got the, um, the idea that makes the most of the character, who, who, who's got the, the idea that's going to get us the, the most mileage towards where we're going. Um, and it, 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 it's great. You know, it becomes like a, a, a democracy of ideas. Which doesn't mean that we don't go into that democracy of ideas like gladiators armed for battle. But uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a lot of fun when it just comes down to who's got the coolest thing to say. So it got approved, then you made the Tumblr page. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It got approved. Mohawk Storm is going to be in canon. She's going to be Mohawked across all the books. Uh, and I started a, a fan blog, a fan Tumblr uh, celebrating Mohawk Storm. That's at fyabmohawkstorm.tumblr.com. <laughs> now, um, but then how come you didn't get the honor of of having the Mohawk first appear in your book? Um, you know, I mean, that wasn't really something I fought for necessarily. Uh, you know what it was that um, it dovetailed nicely with something that was happening in somebody else's book. All right, should I say what it would? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, so if, if people are – I mean, because they both come out the same day. Yeah. And so, so if people can read it, know to read the other one first. In uh, Wolverine and the X-Men. Uh, and the, the emergence of the Mohawk dovetailed really nicely uh, with some things that Jason had planned for Storm. Uh, and it's a really – it's a great scene. Um, I didn't even really question – you know who, who's going to get to do it, or, or, or why is it there? Not in my book. It just uh, it, it, that was by far the coolest way we could do it. So that's what we did. Yeah, I mean, I saw. So yeah, I, I read that. It, it was an interesting scene. You won't, won't, won't spoil it since it comes out today. Um, but so uh, I'm trying to think you know, without revealing it. The, the person that does it could have a, a, a second career if if they wanted to as a barber. Yeah, I think this person is busy enough. Yeah, because it's it's ama- amazing that you know, yeah, just the the, the anyways. <laughs> so uh, the other thing, um, I, I'm, I, there's like so many things. I'm just like kind of jumping all around. Yeah. Um, cover number one got got um Bishop. So yeah, he's back, mm-hmm. and oh, uh, that we won't go into details about the the how and the why and where he's at and all that. But the the, the one thing that immediately comes to mind is is. Last time he was here, he he shot Professor X, mm-hmm. and then everyone's like, "What? You can't do that." Does that kind of like not matter now since Cyclops, you know, did worse? 
Well, Cyclops certainly makes Bishop a lot better, but the sins of Bishop's past are absolutely still relevant. Um, you know, the the thing about Bishop that's always true through all the different phases of his life as a character is that he is a zealot. Whatever he does, he does it 110%. And um, you can see that in, in, in all the different phases. He does not hold back. Uh, and when he shows up in Uncanny X-Force, he has not been seen for a long time. You know, he was a, a, a comrade in arms. He was a teammate of some of uh, our Uncanny X-Force characters. And then he went rogue. He shot Professor X. He hunted Cable and Hope across a billion different timelines and uh, <laughs> came back and then was stranded in um, the, the 68th century, which is a long time from now. It's a mm-hmm. crazy that's a crazy place to be. So when he shows up, X-Force, they don't know where he's been, what he's been doing, what he's gone through to get back home. But for Bishop, as the zealot, right off the bat, it's gloves off fighting. And uh, he goes at Uncanny X-Force with the, with the ferocity of a hundred grizzly bears. And there's not a lot of time for questions. But I will say that we have a lot of plans for Bishop. We're going to um, fill in Bishop's story, where he's been in the future and what he's been doing, what, what kind of changes he's been going through. Um, and we, we got a lot of, a, a lot of long-term plans because he's a, a great character. Now, um, let's talk about the, the Phantom X's cluster. Yeah. Um, so I, I know um, I saw in the, the CBR interview where you, I think you revealed there that um, – Two of the the because if people read Uncanny X Force thirty five the last one they know that now Phantom X is split into three the three different brains. That's right. So Phantom X always had three brains, and he died in a cloning mishap. Uh, there was a body created for each of the three brains. Now you mentioned that two of them are, are they are the are two going to be on the team officially because we know on the cover. The cluster, the female version, is there. So is the second one, which I guess we won't specify which one that one is, is that one going to appear as well? All or, three fantasies will be in the book. Okay, I, I guess my question is, is the other one – which ones are going to be on the team? Is it just going to be cluster or are we going to possibly see another one? All three fantasies will be in the book. Okay. Leave it at that. <laughs> um, as big as I can get. One person asked a question because uh, on our other podcast, we, we were on, someone brought up the, a question of, of transgender um, characters in comics that, you know, there's not a whole lot. Um, there's one in um, Demon Knights. Um, but, and then someone said, would Cluster be considered a transgender character? That's a great question, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, because it was a separate brain, it's a separate body, but I don't even know if it's yeah, it's just. Well, you're you're working on two different levels there. You're working with the concept of uh, of sex, which is biologically determined, and uh, gender, which is an expression of identity. Um, so there's a lot of interesting things to play with there. There's a lot of interesting I- questions of identity to play with when you have. Um, Three people who used to share the same head are now split off and they have their own individual free will. Uh, and, and, and one of them is a sentinel brain, for Christ's sake. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we are going to um, play with a, a lot of those concepts and a lot of those ideas. Yeah, because I, I, I think obviously 
the interaction between you know Psylocke, where you know here's this this dude that you know she had feelings for, and you know she she struggled back and forth with how much she really felt, and then now there's you know a female version of him, and you know with the other version and the dark version. So I I I, I think it's going to be really really fascinating, and I, I know there's going to be a lot of action, but you know I'm assuming you're going to squeeze that part into it also. Absolutely. I uh, can't wait to see the reaction after people read the last page of issue one. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my well, lips. If you're interested in that relationship, we'll have a lot to say. Yeah, that's, yeah, I'm not even going to, when I saw that, I was like, holy. <laughs> and that that's all I'll say. Um, going to page one of, of Uncanny X-Force number one and throughout the issue. So um, Psylocke is, is a little angry, which is understandable. She, you know, she's been going through a lot and trying to figure things out, but it seems like, um, she's just kind of cursing a little more. Is, yeah. is, is that something that that's going to carry on where she's just like, that's it. This, I'm just let, and just, you know, let it out. To me, she's always cursed. Uh, and that, that goes for a lot of the characters in uncanny X-Force. You know, these guys, this isn't the prep school. So uh, this is this is deep into in a mutant ninja noir territory. It's not a place for a lot of manners. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see some cursing in the book. Now um, I don't even know if we should get into um, spiral and sure. and that dynamics. Yeah, because that was was this your idea to to bring spiral into the book? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's a there's nobody in um, there's nobody in this book who I didn't want to be there. Uh, and Spiral to me is really interesting because uh, her and Betsy have a lot of bad blood between them. Yeah, because definitely. Spiral is responsible for a lot of the horrific transformation uh, transformations that Bet- Betsy has endured in her life, and it's part of what makes Betsy such a sympathetic character, such an enduring character, a real survivor. Um, but Spiral, even though she's a supervillain, she's been through a lot of the same experiences as Betsy. You know, she was a stunt woman, just, just a regular human stunt woman. She got kidnapped by Mojo, and she was put through the ringer against her will and had to endure some very similar transformations. And when she came back, came out on the other side, she's totally different. She was this crazy cosmic ninja forced to do all these evil things. And one thing that made me very interested in having her on the book is uh, that, you know, we we have a lot of sympathy for Betsy because of the things that she's gone through. Uh, and if we have sympathy for Betsy, can we have sympathy for the devil, too? That's, that's, it's, it's weird. And, you know, I'm not questioning it. I mean, I'm, I'm just it's, it's, it's going to be something They're They are mirrors for each other in a lot of ways that they would never want to admit out loud. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, what about Puck? I'm trying to think back. So, so I know in Jason Aaron's the Wolverine Goes to Hell that you know Puck was there. Mm-hmm. Did we see Puck escape from hell? I, I'm trying to think how how that ended. He uh, made an appearance in Wolverine and the X Men. Okay. So he is out of hell uh, in the beginning of the first issue. Uh, he is uh, first issue Uncanny X Force. He's uh, no longer in hell. He's making up for lost time, so to speak. Um, and Pug was a really interesting character for me to bring in the book because he's um, he's a smartass like I am. You know, there's a lot of serious characters on this book, but Puck is a guy uh, who will crack a joke. He's a guy who will laugh at danger because despite his height, 
he is someone who uh, has never walked into a situation feeling like he couldn't kick some ass. He is a guy who laughs at danger. He's like a he's a Canadian Indiana Jones. Um, so it's been a lot of fun to write that character in that voice. And he used to be taller, right? Was there like some crazy? It it, it, it depends on what interpretation you subscribe to. Because I, I remember the story. I think it was in in. I, what, one of the volumes of Wolverine where there's like a flashback and he was he was like a normal height and then something happened to him because he's like really old too. He's 100 years old. Yeah, and then something happened. And I, I, I can't remember if it was like something mystical or whatever and then he his, you know, he was, his height was diminished. There, there's, there's two different explanations in two different comic books. One is that he's just a dwarf. He's, one is that his height is genetic. The other one is that his height is demonic. Uh, to me, it doesn't really make a difference. Mm-hmm. What matters is what that makes him as a character and how he deals with it. Like I said, this is a guy who laughs in the face of danger despite being short of stature. He's a guy who doesn't shy away um, from a challenge despite uh, you know who he is physically. He finds a way to kick ass. And that, that's to me is what's really key about puck being short. Now, um, Wolverine's not on the team, but is he going to be making any appearances? You know, like once, once they start going out doing their stuff, he, yeah, he appears in the first issue. Okay. Um, so here's a question from one, one of our, our community members, Edward Windsor. Okay. So, um, this is a question to me, and he, he says, in your opinion, which do you think will turn out to be the better X-Force book, Cable and or Uncanny? I, I, th- I what, What's your opinion on that? Well, Uncanny, of course. <laughs> which, what, uh, no, I, I, I don't know. With all due respect, Winder, they're two different books. Uh, uh, they could both be good. It's not a zero-sum game. I've known Dennis Hopeless for years. He's a good friend. Uh, we've had a lot of fun doing some good-natured shit talk online. But they're different books, you know? One might be your thing, one might not. It's a matter of taste. Um, my opinion, of course, is that Uncanny X-Force is going to be the best book of any title <laughs> in the direct market. Okay, another question from Edward Windsor. He says, um, if you were to select a six-person X-Force squad, who would you have and why? So these type of questions are always when I feel need a lot of thought. Now, we know who your squad is, Um from from who you, you chose, but the one one question is with Psylocke and Storm, who is leading the team? Well, that's a really good question. That's something that we play with. It's an it's an open question for the characters in the book. Well, it's not an open question for some of them, but there's a lot of disagreement on who is going to uh, lead the team, who's going to set the tone for the team, who's going to um, set the pace. Because I I would imagine that could be awkward, you know, out in the the field in a battle. Absolutely, because so we're going to play with that. Because that's one um, in in Rick Remender's Uncanny Avengers. Yeah, I got the you get the impression from the first issue that they want Havoc to be the leader, you know, to be like the the mutant face and you know tie things over, you know, all the the mutant stuff and Cyclops. But then you have Wolverine who is a leader in his own right now. You have Captain America, and then then we're Scarlet Witch is coming on, and you know she was. I think she led West Coast Avengers for a while. You got Wasp who's coming up and she was a leader. So it just seems kind of crazy that, you know, you got all these leaders and it's like, are they going to be arguing or? 
Conflict builds great stories. That's that's all I can reveal. Yeah, because I, 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 see the way I look at it is like you know if they're going up against someone like you know Red Skull, then I would think you'd say, "Hey, Cap, what's the best thing we should do?" And if you're going up against someone like Mister Sinister, then they might say, "Hey, Alex, you know what do we do now?" So mm-hmm. it'll be be. I mean, so there's benefits of having all these you know strong leadership you know leader leader characters oh, absolutely well you don't you don't want you want a book full of weak characters yeah that's not that's not interesting that's not fun to read but then it's gonna be in the middle you know if, if they start barking out two different orders and the other people are like uh you know we we've got a book full of wild cards we got a book full of really strong characters um everyone here has a lot of reasons to believe that they're right uh and we're gonna have a lot of fun with that now, what about um, Captain Britain, Brian? No plans for him okay. in the immediate future. He's, he's, he's doing his own. Th- I'm trying to think. So in the Secret Avengers, he – I think there's some – was it there where Cy- – no, maybe it was – I'm thinking X-Force where there's a resolution between where Betty, Bet- Betsy talked to him. I, I can't mm-hmm. keep track of all these comics now. <laughs> it's just like so many things going on. Yeah. Um, now, what about uh, – crossing over with cable and x-force because now now we have two x-force books two different two completely different goals two outlooks two views so when's when and of course you got bishop who you know was giving cable a hard time so have you guys talked about you know crossing over well these books are are two very different distinct books they go down two very different paths and um that's just something that happened quite naturally from Dennis and I just having different interests and being different kind of writers and seeing different things in the title. Um, you know, there's there's not a lot of overlap between these books, but you never know. Something could happen. Mm. All right. Um, let's talk about Ultimates. So, yeah. So just, just finished the big, crazy, divided, united we stand, divided we fall. Mm-hmm. Those, mm-hmm. those are two separate arcs, right? They form one story together. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Cat became president, mm-hmm. and what's what's next? Because yeah, I mean you're you're basically that book is, is I would say it's it's kind of the, the core Ultimate Universe book because that's that, yeah you know that that really set the tone. I mean that whole thing you know it, it trickled into you know Ultimate Spider Man, and yeah. and you know we're, we're seeing stuff in, in Ultimate X Men. So what what can we expect? What's coming up? Uh, so after uh, Divided We Fall, United We Stand, we have a new arc that's running right now called Reconstruction. And Reconstruction takes place in a post-war America with Cap as president. Um, and a, a lot of things, um, you know, Cap as president saved the day. He, you know, the Ultimates defeated Modi. He reunited America. He, he, he defeated um, some of the uh, separatist groups. But that's not necessarily going to last forever. So Reconstruction is the, the Ultimates and President Cap wrestling with the long-term problems of keeping a country together. Okay. And so are we going to – like the book's going to kind of stick on their own instead of you know, not really crossing over? Uh, there's little, little bits of crossover here and there, but no events on the horizon. Okay. And what, what about um, in terms of team roster? Team roster is something that uh, I, I play uh, very fast and loose with. As far as I'm concerned, any open character uh, has the potential to be an ultimate. So um, 
there are surprises coming up in terms of who's going to be a regular feature on the book. Okay. Now, Sacrifice is back. Yeah. So what's your, um, what's your, your sales pitch on, uh, on the series? Like if someone Sacrifice says, is about a, a modern-day guy from San Diego who accidentally gets transported back to the height of the Aztec Empire, has to figure out some way to survive in the most bloodthirsty civilization in history. And so the fourth issue is out now. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I guess without spoiling – so we got the sacrifice. There's a sacrifice in the, the, the comic – there's a sacrifice of some sort. Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I guess you know with, that's the title. Yeah. So um, now, how long did you have this this story in mind? A long, long time. Um, it's funny because people ask me all the time, "How much research did I do for the book?" Because it's it's a period piece that largely takes place during the Aztec Empire. Um, but for me, the book came out of the research, not the other way around. I've been obsessed with the Aztecs for almost 10 years now. Um, I've got a stack of books about them, about as high as my knee. I've, I've got, I've studied their, their military, I've studied their poetry, I've even taken an Aztec cooking class. Um, so doing Sacrifice partially came out of my, 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 my obsession with this culture and the civilization, a desire to show who they really were in a popular format. And we should point out that this is a self-published published book. Yeah, that's correct. Mm-hmm. So how 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 was that? You know that whole experience, like just doing it. You're like, like when did you say like I'm going to make this book? I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. Uh, you know, it's funny because um, in 2011 I had a. Wait, am I doing my math right? No, in 2010. I had uh, two short stories published, one in the Archaea Fraggle Rock book mm-hmm. and one in the in Boom Studio CBGB anthology. Um, but then it was almost the beginning of 2011, and I kind of took stock of where I was at, and I realized I had nothing coming up. Like, nothing was in the pipeline. I had pitches out there, I was working it, I was networking, but I had nothing that was in progress and very likely nothing that was going to come out in 2011. I was going to have a dead year in the second year of my career, and that can be, that can be death, you know? Like, that could be the end of it. Um, so I decided that if, you know, my, my career was going to burn out so early, I might as well make it as spectacular as possible. So I, I vowed that I was going to no longer wait for anyone else's permission to make comics. I was going to do my comics, whatever it took. Um, and the, the tool set I selected that for that was, was self-published comics. Um, and I, 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 I made a resolution that I was going to self-publish Our Love is Real and Sacrifice before the end of uh, 2011. Now, what, what advice can you give to, you know, because there's, there's a lot of people that, you know, they want to do their books, but it's, it's just mm-hmm. that first step. So, I mean, how, how, how do you get started doing that? You gotta fig- you gotta decide for yourself that you're no longer gonna wait for someone else to come along and give you permission to make comics. You gotta figure out for yourself that you are gonna give yourself permission to go out there and do your stuff. You know, a lot of people ask, "How did you get a job at Marvel? Like, what did you say? Or how do you approach them?" And the fact is, I didn't really approach them. 
I just went out there and did the best work I could. I did uh, Our Love is Real and Sacrifice, and based on those comic books, they determined that I was the kind of career that they wanted in the mix there, and they brought me in. You know, I didn't do that by waiting by the phone. I didn't get that job by reloading my inbox all day. You know, that's not fun anyway. It's so much more fun. It's so much more enjoyable. It's so much more of an expression of your love of comics to actually just go out and make a book. So I, w- I wouldn't, I mean, Our Love is Real doesn't seem like a book Marvel would, would, would publish. <laughs> that's what I told them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's interesting. They're like, you know, you put out this really, really great book. Come work for like, us. Uh, I was like, are you sure that you read Our Love is Real? Are we, are we talking about the same book? Cause... <laughs> is there another Sam Humphreys out there? Yeah. Of course there's not. No. <laughs> um, here's another question. Um, this is from Young Doctor. Mm-hmm. He asks, is it just me or does Phantom X dress like Storm Shadow? I guess he kind of does, huh? But he, he's got you know the, the, the black lines on him. Yeah. Um. I don't yeah. know much about Storm Shadow, so I, I can't comment, but I, I guess he does look similar. Um, are you into Doctor Who at all? No. Oh, man. Cause some I, don't, of... I don't like medical dramas. Because, <laughs> <Psych>. again, <laughs> okay, next question from, from this guy. I, obviously, his name is Young Doctor, so I'm assuming he's oh, a fan. Yeah. But he yeah. says, um, on a podcast, you're talking about Steve Dillon's art. Have you ever seen any of his backup strips of Doctor Who Weekly? Um, I have not. Oh, wait. Absalom Dak. Dalek Killer. I think I think these are like the old Doctor Who. And in the 80s, I know Marvel UK was putting out some Doctor Who comics that made it out here. Mm-hmm. I remember reading that. So I don't I don't know if that was I didn't realize that was Steve Dillon's art. What about yeah. what do you think of Transformers? Not not really in my wheelhouse. Yeah. See. I was a huge uh He-Man guy as a kid. Uh I saw the Transformers movies, uh did not enjoy them at all. <laughs> You know the the original animated series was it was was cheesy but better than 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 the movies. Well, it's it's kind of a train wreck, but it's a lot more interesting than watching any of the Michael Bay films. Yeah, because um, this young doctor asked if I read any of the Transformers Regeneration One. It's a UK series, which I wasn't even aware of that. Um, I know IDW is putting Young out some doctor with the, the UK knowledge. Yeah. yeah you're, you're... Well, we, we, we have a very, um, international, um, community. We have like awesome. people, people from all over the place. They always get pissed when, um, we do contests and, you know, our lawyers always like, you know, oh, it's only yeah. open to, you know, us residents. Guys, I, 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 I used to work at MySpace. We do contests all the time. And let me just say is extremely legally prohibitive to do contests in other countries. I'm sure, Everyone at Comics Vine would love to do uh, contests in other countries just as we did, but it is so legally expensive and prohibitive. It's, it's, really, it's really just difficult enough to do it in New York and Florida. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you – I mean, the, uh, this is so way off topic. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's very difficult, mainly because um, they are regulated in those states to protect against scams. Mm. So it's all for a good cause, but it makes it very difficult legally to run um, a, a contest in America because state by state they have different rules and different regulations. And then so, there's, there's also custom issues. Oh, for doing international? Yeah, because um, – Yeah, forget it, international. I mean, yeah, it's just very, very difficult. Yeah, because before we I were – but – Before we were um, 
on anyone's radar. You know, we, we did the occasional giveaways and stuff like that. I remember mailing out just, just comics like to, I think it was someone in Peru and there's a huge customs form and, you know, cause they, they need to know, like, you know, you check off that it's like magazines, but they need to know like what specifically. And, you know, is there any like war propaganda or, or something, you know, there's like all these like weird questions and it's just like, and now that we got the, the big time lawyers, it's just like, Oh yeah. So I'm just like, sorry. And so every time we do a contest, you know, we, we get people complaining. It's like, like you said, I, I wish we could have it open to everyone, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's tough. Okay. Another question. This one, I think you can give your thoughts on, I'm do ready. you, do you yeah. think we'll ever see Psylocke in, in the X-Men in any cartoons or movies? I I have no idea. I <laughs> sorry. Yo, no, I mean not not like not like you have any insider information no, or anything. I, I I yeah, if it's just my personal speculation, I would say yeah, she's a great character. She's very visual, she's super cool. There's a lot to do with her. So I I I, I would imagine that anyone putting together a cartoon or a live action show or a movie or whatever has got to give uh Psylocke a lot of thought. Cuz that really ticked me off in um X-Men the Last Stand. Mm-hmm. Where you know she was in there, right? But it's like you don't know until the credits. It's like right. you know, here's just nameless, you know, mutant in the Brotherhood, and then you know gets evaporated or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I I only saw the movie once in the theaters, and yeah. I, I haven't watched it again. But then right. you know, I'm just looking at the credits. So I was like, I was like, that was Psylocke, and they kill her off. So that's just yeah, uh, that that's 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 crazy. Um, do you? This is a question for me. Do you think she has? And in your mind, does she have an English or a British accent? English or British? Yeah. They're the same. Is that a trick question? No, her, her accent. She has a UK accent, for sure. Okay, so she has a UK accent, but she's yeah. in a Japanese body with with yeah. Japanese vocal cords. Uh, yeah, but um, your, your accent is uh, a neural... It, your your accent is in the brain. It's not in your vocal cords. You're not born with an accent. Yes. A, a, a person of Japanese ancestry who has grown up all their lives in America is not going to have a Japanese accent. <laughs> now, her, we have to assume her, her voice is different from before she was in Quanin's body. Mm-hmm. So that must be kind of weird. You know, she'd have to change her, her like voicemail and all that. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose so. I suppose so. <laughs> um, what, what other? Do you have time to to read any other books? Because I know a uh, lot. Not lot of, as much as I would like. I, you know, I read a lot for research. I, I read a lot of things that are relevant to the books I'm writing, whether direct continuity kind of stuff or just um, learning more about a character or uh, things that are published now, like. Um, you know, the X-Men books uh, influence, you know, it's, it's in the same realm as Uncanny X-Force, so I keep up on those. Um, but, you know, my, my recreational to-read pile I'm looking at right now, and it's very tall and very frightening. I mean, that, that's what I say. It's like, you know, I read comics for a living. That's my job. I'm supposed to read. Yeah. And it's like I can barely keep up with them, you know, trying to read them all. It's like... It's 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 hard. So um Uncanny X Force is gonna be twice a month, correct? Uh it's 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 gonna be like almost any other Marvel book. It will it will occasionally double ship. Okay. So that must put like more work on you 
to you know deliver to script sometimes. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the same on Ultimates. It's the same on, on virtually any ongoing Marvel book right now. Um, they they get published, uh, depending on the book, but 14 to 18 times a year now. So that that's that's good and bad for the, the comic readers. You know, it, it's it's great because you know it it sucks having to wait a whole month, but then it's like that's that's another book to, to have to buy. So I don't know. I, it's, I you know I when I was just a reader of Uncanny X Force, I loved it because I couldn't wait to find out what would happen next. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mattitude Twenty Two says, "Who would win if the Bat Family fought the Superman Family?" Um, I think it kind of has to give it to Batman, the Batman family, because Batman has probably thought this fight through, mm-hmm. whereas Superman has not. Yeah. I mean, Superman has the strength and the speed, and so would, you know, Supergirl and Superboy, but you got to imagine Batman's ready. And then there's a whole question, um, what about the kryptonite ring? Exactly. Because I like, got... Batman has thought this through. He's prepared to do it. Superman doesn't want to think about it. He doesn't want to come to terms with that. But, I mean, in the New 52, it's not even certain if there is a kryptonite ring. Oh, it's, you know it's got to be there. I, I I don't know what's there. I mean, since they you know, s- switched everything around, I mean, you can't tell any anymore. That's the... I have to say, it's like I'm. I'm glad, and I'm not, you know, I'll, I'll give you some of the credit, even though, <laughs> um, <laughs> that credit. that you know, with Marvel now, that they did not, you know, do New Fifty Two and try rebooting everything. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, that was funny. Like when it was first announced, everyone's like, "It's like, oh, they're rebooting everything. It's like DC," and and there's like so many interviews and announcements saying no, no, but everyone was still, still, still saying that. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm glad it, it, it didn't. Um, it, it uh, I, 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 I don't know. I like it the way it is, but I like a lot of the new Fifty Two books too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're good. It's just, it's 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 frustrating. I mean, for for me as a reader, and I I people get on my back because sometimes I get too hung up on it. Where it's like not knowing what has or hasn't happened, and you know, I I know in, in some some cases we don't need to worry about it, but you know, like like a big question was, did Superman die fighting Doomsday? You know, did that happen or not? And in, in the last Action Comics, Grant kind of insinuated that it did, but it's it, you have no idea how that really fits in. If it was in Action Comics, which is taking place in the beginning, of new, it's uh, it it just it gets all over the place. So at least with Uncanny X Force, we can say, yeah, Psylocke was a, yeah, all a, a that, victim all of happened. Mojo. We're, yeah, we're a different book now, but we're picking up on a lot of the threads left behind by Rick. Uh, in his Uncanny X-Force run. Um, you know, Uncanny X-Force number one takes place six months after um, Uncanny X-Force 35, and a lot can happen in six months, you know? So when 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 you read the first issue, there, there's a lot of things, there, there's some things that are different, some things that have changed, and uh, we're going to fill in the backstory on that gradually as we go through the first arc. Um, I, I just totally blinked out what I was going <laughs> to bust it. <laughs> oh man. You. Uh, you were thinking about that kryptonite ring. You're like, maybe. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I asked you guys that question at, at long beach and I happened to oh, yeah. run into you. I think I still, yeah. ha- that was fun. I think I, I still have one more question. One of those videos to go up. Yeah. Cause I think I did like five it's of a them. Great idea. Yeah. yeah. 
I, I've done it. I used to do it. I, I did a couple times and then I kind of didn't do it for a while. And, and it, I, I like it cause it's, it's, you know, not timely and, you know, hearing what you guys get to say and yeah. what, what I don't think people necessarily realize that you guys literally have no heads up on this. No, it, it's like, oh, yeah, you, those were all gotcha questions. Yeah. So it's, yeah. And, and it's not like I'm trying to stump you guys, but it's, it's, you no, know, come on, come on. You're trying to stump us. You're trying to make us look like fools. <laughs> <laughs> trying no. to make us look like real chumps. Well, see, well, well the, yes, yeah, it worked. Congratulations. No, no, because I mean, I, I think that's where, you know, you give the honest answers and, you know, it, yeah, it kind of keeps you guys on your toes, but it, it also, I mean, I don't think I've ever had one where it's completely bombed or where, you know, I completely yeah. stumped someone. So I, I think it, it's great because it, it, it shows how on it you guys are. Cause you well, know, we're comic creators. We yeah. should, you know, co- comics is one thing we should be able to, to come up with some sort of answer on, it, on, a, on a short-term basis. <laughs> yeah. There's always, always something. So it's not something. like you're asking me about obscure Batman trivia or uh, Batman, obscure baseball trivia. Yeah. So uh, here's a question from Rasmus Whedon. He says, yes. how far into his arms does Wolverine's claws go? If they, if, if they stop behind his knuckle, can he bend his wrists? That's that's what I think. I mean, they have to go into his forearms. I think I think they go into his forearms, don't they? Yeah, but then yeah. what I've always wondered is, okay, so when he pops his claws, he has to keep his his hand straight because if if he were to bend his wrist down and pop his claws, would they pop out of his wrist instead of the back of his hand? And I'm I'm not asking you like you know you're right, you're yeah. the, the mutant expert on everything, but just you know I've always thought about it. it's like he's got to he's got to keep it straight. I guess so. Maybe maybe it's just all it's all reflex. It's all intuition now. Like before he even pops his claws, he just reflexively puts his hand in the correct position. Or maybe the whatever, like the claw shoot or whatever, the tendons or something forces his hand. Right. Yeah. It's like a, 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 a like a knee jerk reaction, literally. Yeah. And then the other thing is like he, he must have some thick forearms to. Yeah. To have keep all that junk in there. He's 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 stout. He's a stout mutant. Yeah. I always thought it was weird that. Okay, because his and yeah, we you know we we've, we've seen his claws drawn different ways. You know, different artists have have drawn you know the, the 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 points differently and all that. But it's like they're flat for the most part. But when he had bone claws, they weren't flat. They were you know they were bone claws. So it's like does the adamantium just like completely smush them, like flatten them? I guess, I guess it would have to, huh? Yeah, it's it's see all all these things that. That we shouldn't worry about, but that these are things that, that, that I often think about when I'm lying awake, <laughs> lying awake at night. You up at night. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, that, that's what I do. Like, like those questions that I, that I ask you guys, I mean, those are usually things that I've written about, you know, just like the weird, you know, obscure things, which, you know, I, I call off my mind. Um, like, like one I, that went up was uh, what would ha- basically what would happen if like Damien Wayne killed the Joker? You know, because here's you know Batman. Because everyone always says, you know, should Batman kill a Joker? But then, like, what would happen if his son actually did it? You know, would he be like, "Great son," or you're not supposed to do that? And I think he, I think he'd probably say, "You're probably not supposed to do that." <laughs> and then just like, okay, don't do it again. <laughs> I, I, but I, that's a, that's a story I'd like to see, but I wouldn't want to actually happen. Because you know, because right. if you kill a Joker, what's going to happen? He's going to come back. You know. There are no comic book deaths. Although, I guess, um, going to the Ultimate Universe, so is is the death thing still intact where 
you know, someone dies, they're dead. Oh yeah, that that is dead in the Ultimate Universe. And because it's it's just weird. It's like you know, Wolverine's dead. Yeah, he's, yeah he's, I know. It's like you know, Spider Man's dead, and you know, er, yeah. er, everyone's complaining about you know, the current Spider Man stuff now. What's your thoughts on that? On on which part? On on that su- is dead. Su- superior Spider Man. Well, oh, we do I both. Think I think it's awesome. I think it's great. And that's how I see because. I mean, I've been a, been a huge fan of Spider Man, you know, and I think you know this is a way to tell different stories, you know, compared to what we've had the last fifty years. So, so maybe, yeah, I, I I think it's great. I love Dan Slott. I think he's a fantastic writer. So I'm really really excited for all this to play out. Now, um, we saw the X Men interact with the Spider Man and avenging Spider Man, but I guess X Force wouldn't necessarily run into him anytime soon. No immediate plans for any spider encounters, no. Now, going back to the other thing, about what's, what's your thought about comic book death? Uh, I'm all for it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> How so? Well, because you know the, the cliche is, so if, if someone were to die in Uncanny X-Force, right. everyone's going to be like, they're going to come back. You know, it, it's, right. it's, that's what we're just expecting. Like, Professor X is dead. You know he's going to come back. That's that's what you know everyone assumes. Um, what what is it like from like a writer's perspective? And I know sometimes what what people don't understand is like sometimes editorials like we want this to happen or something like that. And so how do you feel? You know, it, like if if you were to write a story where where someone's someone dies, do you think they should be dead or? Is it just a story for the moment and you, know, you see that the action and the repercussions and the aftermath and then if they come back, great? I think you know, you're working with other people's characters. You're working in a shared universe and you can't worry about that stuff too much. You just got to worry about telling the best story that you can. Um, and sometimes that involves killing a character. You know, I mean, this is, the superhero genre is predicated on violent resolution. Um, and if there's violence, death has to be on the table. Death, if, if we're talking about characters who are alive, death happens, has to be on the table. It's a fact of life. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I feel like when people argue this, they're they're arguing for two, one of two things, and they don't really want either outcome. You know, I, I think the best of both worlds is to have dramatic deaths that mean things, um, and then down the line, when another creator comes up with a, a story that's worth doing, um, if it involves a character coming back to life, I say go for it. I mean, who would change anything about astonishing X-Men just because Colossus was dead and Joss Whedon brought him back to life? You know, who? I, I, I wouldn't second-guess any of that. I just, I don't know. I'd probably just read the story and enjoy it. All right. I know you need to run soon. Um, I do. I do need to run. Yeah. But thank you very much for having me. Thank you, Comics Vine listeners, for all the questions, for stumping me on Doctor Who. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So people need right now, if they're listening in the morning, they need to run out to their comic store, get Uncanny X Force, right. get mm-hmm. Sacrifice. Yep. Now, if, if and if they can't find Sacrifice, it's I know Tifa. Things from Another World. Yeah, you can you can mail order it at thingsfromanotherworld.com and you can get it on Comixology. Okay. Well, thank yeah. you, Sam. So thank you very much for having me, dude. Appreciate we'll it. We'll definitely have to. You'll have to come back again sometime. It would, it would be my pleasure. We can talk about all the crazy shit I've done in the book since then. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Thanks, bud. All right. Okay. So yeah, 
Uncanny X-Force picked that up. Um, great art by Ron Garney and cool things. And as mentioned, Wolverine and the X-Men, if, if you want to know what's up with, with the Mohawk, you know, read that first and then go to Uncanny X-Force. All right, so I'm going to try to – I, I know last time when I was talking to the Ryan Stegman, I didn't get through as many questions. So let's just jump into that. This is where I take questions – I should announce this. I, I answer questions from you guys in case it's the first time you're listening. So on the general forum, there is a Ask G-Man video questions thread. The reason it has video in, in there because I used to do the Ask and You Shall Receive answers video and they were like like forty to fifty minutes long of just me answering questions. Took a long time to to, to shoot, to edit, and the the send to our compressor and system and the site and all that stuff. So that's where the idea of this podcast came from. Is that you know this is is a lot easier to edit. So we're going to do that. Um, I still do uh, the ask and you shall receive videos where I usually answer one question. Um, and I think. I know I didn't post one last week, but I have one. I'll probably go up this week if it hasn't already. So you know, ask your questions there. The other place is on Twitter. So my, um, you can at reply me, Gman from Heck. Use a hashtag Ask Gman, and um, I will answer your question there because they're all gathered. I know I got to try to find it because I know someone asked me a question, but they use a different hashtag. They they at replied me, but then I think they said like like ask questions or something like that. So I got to try to find that before that gets lost. Um, so from the the forums, this is from Bob Zanub. Uh, he says, in your opinion, did DC's new approach of introducing a bunch of simultaneous mini crossover events, Hell on Earth, Third Army, Hawkman Wanted, um, Death of Family, Rot World, is there more? Um, has it affected the publisher's lineup for the better or for worse so far? Um Bob Sinup says, I love how they handled Night of the Owls, but now it all have suddenly become too much for me to keep up with and sadly care about. And my experience, many of the new and returning readers um, due to the New 52 feel similarly. Um, I don't really have a problem with these all these mini events, crossover events. Um, I've, I've never been a huge fan of crossovers. I don't like when you're forced to read other series where, you know, yeah, most likely – you're reading the other series if they're related, but I don't like when you don't have that choice. It's like, okay, you know, to be continued in this other book next week. And it, it, the good thing is it, it creates a more cohesive universe. You know, it, it shows how they're related that, you know, if, if something big is happening in, in Batman, then yeah, there should be repercussions in detective comics or Batman and Robin or even Batgirl. So that makes sense from, from that, that point of view. But for me, it was the contagion storyline where it's like, okay, you got to read Batman, you got to read Batman and Robin, you got to read Shadow the Bat, you got to read Catwoman, and I, th- I think even like Legends of the Dark Knight, it's like Robin, and I don't even know if Nightwing was out. It's like all these, but I was, I was just like that. That's it, and I basically like put my foot down and said, I'm, I'm not going to read all these books. I'm, you know, I'm not going to get them all. So I, I took a little break on on some of the titles. I was like, this is just getting out of hand. So I can see that, but. I don't think there's really a problem because, you know, if you're reading Superman, chances are you might be reading, you know, Superboy and Supergirl as well. So having a story contained there, that that's great. And it doesn't have to, you know, cross over into Green Lantern or, you know, any of the other books. So it's 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 even though it's crossing over into other series, it is kind of self-contained. But, yeah, I, I do agree that 
when you're forced to go, you know, because maybe you don't like Superboy or Supergirl or, you know, whatever, or, you know, with um, Rise of the Third Army, you know, maybe you're not reading um, Red Lanterns or, you know, Green Lantern Corps or something like that. So I can see that I get the, the you know, like I said, the idea of making everything connected. That's great. But maybe they shouldn't all happen at the same time. I guess that, that could be the problem. All right, second question. If it turns out later that the whole plot of Avengers Arena was a simulation of some sort right from the get-go, would the hate still be justified on any reasonable level? Um, Okay, so for those not reading Avengers Arena, Arcade, the former X-Men villain, you know, he used to have Murder World where he would be paid to kidnap people, put them in this crazy, you know, all these scenarios, deadly scenarios, like giant pinball (laughs) machines, and, you know, basically try to kill them. So now we're seeing 16 young um, heroes, you know, from Avengers Academy, from Runaways and, you know, all, all these different books. You know, X-23 is there. Darkhawk was there, even though he's not that young. And basically they need to kill each other. You know, there's going to be one survivor. And we're seeing some death. They're not necessarily killing each other just yet. A lot of people are are upset and rightfully so because these characters they like, they're just basically being used for death. I have to assume there's a there's a bigger plan that that it's not just you know for shock value. And so one of the the, the common um, theories is that it's all virtual. That you know maybe they're not really dying. Maybe they're getting teleported out. Maybe there's holograms or something. You know, making it look like they're dying and you know and so forth. Um, if that did happen, it would kind of feel like maybe it's a cop out. I don't know. Um, but then it's a way to get around killing all these people and potentially 15 characters. So, but if, if it said it, I'm, I'm trying to, if I understand a question, um, I, I, I still, I don't think that would be, that would make people happy. So if, if someone's favorite characters were, 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 you know, brutalized or killed and then they find out later, it's like, oh, they didn't really die, but we, we tricked you. I, I think that bad taste in their mouth is still going to be there that, you know, that's, they'll be happy that the character's back, but I don't think, you know, they're going to, you know, be okay with that. And last, the moment I'm writing this, so this is um, a while ago, says, we still don't know what will be the ending of both Amazing Spider-Man and current um, invincible storyline. Um, so the question is sort of a time capsule. So yeah, um, popularity bias aside, which series has the better end of an era ending story wise, um, storytelling wise in your opinion? Well, I can't comment on invincible. I'm actually behind, even though I did, um, read, uh, I think it was 99, the, the, the all splash page issue. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen in 100. I haven't read that yet. Um, and I think I've been pretty vocal about Amazing Spider-Man 700. And, you know, as I've said, I am not crazy about the idea of Doc Ock being in, in Spider-Man's body. But I'm I'm fascinated to see where the story is going to go. And as we saw last week, you know, we had Avenging Spider-Man 16. We had Daredevil, what, 22, 23, um, where, you know, Spider-Man went up against Daredevil. These are kind of some interesting stories. And, you know, it, it's it's changing things a little bit and where, yeah, it's a violation of Peter Parker's character. You know, it's again, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan, you know, believe me. And 
But I'm just saying, I guess I'm being optimistic saying this is just a story. It's going to go back. And, you know, I did post my theory where I don't think Peter Parker is dead. I think it's Doc Ock that died when Doc Ock's body died. And, you know, I, I say that Peter Parker, because he has Doc Ock's memories in his brain now, those are kind of like the dominant personality. You know, it's like taking over where he thinks he's actually Doc Ock sharing Peter Parker's memories along with his body. And then at some point, all this is going to get straightened out. And then, you know, Peter is going to be realized like, holy crap, you know, th- that was just crazy. I-, I did some weird things and it, you know, it, w- it was me, but it wasn't. And so I, and, and I, it's not that it's the same, but I, I, I likened it to um, when you hear about people drinking, you know, getting intoxicated, they do some things that they wouldn't normally do. You know, they, they make some bad decisions. So that's, kind of how i see it where if superior spider-man gets a little violent with um the sinister six if he starts really beating up on them that that's not something spider-man would do but he's he's being influenced by doc ock's memories where he's you know going taking it a little too far so um but we'll have to wait and see and again i'm totally on board i i i trust dan slot you know i i he's got it all figured out and you know, he he tricked a lot of people. I know he won some people over with Superior Spider-Man number one. So just just give it a shot. See how what happens. Got Willpower says, how many Valiant books do you read? I just started catching up on Exo Man of War, Shadow Man, and Bloodshot, and I'm surprised how much I like them. If you've been reading, which is your favorite? Um, so I I'm I'm behind on on some of those, and part of it, as, as I mentioned to Sam, is there's just so many books. Which is good. It's great to have so much variety, but it's bad when there's so much good stuff out there, and you just it's 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 like almost heartbreaking that you can't keep up with it. So yeah, um, I I gave Exo Manowar a shot when when that came out because I, I reviewed the first issue, you know, before Matt and Greg started doing that, and you know it was interesting because I was familiar with uh, a lot of these Valiant characters. Um, I, I don't not sure if it was maybe it was the '90s when you know they. Because I remember all the chromium covers and all that. I never really got, got back. I really not the. I never really got into them back then. But um, it, it's interesting. Be, you know, you can jump into these these series, and you know, people should check them out because there's a lot of great writers. You know, Robert Venditti is on there. Um, Fred Van Lenty. I mean, these are quality books. It's just, I think you know, some people are just a little reluctant because there's so many books and because they're not Marvel or DC or Image. But you know, you got to. Give other things a shot. Um, Bloodshot, I, I've been enjoying that. I, I, you know, I think that that's very fascinating. Um, Dwayne Straczynski is doing that one. Um, Shadow Man, I, I haven't had a chance to check out yet. But uh, I'm part of me is I'm a, a little concerned because you know then we're gonna get you know see more. Um, you know, like is Ninja Ninjak or Ninja K? It's like sometimes called. You know, is he going to get his own book? And then we're just going to see more and more and more Valiant books, which is good for them. You know, it's, it, it's great, but it just means more books to buy. Um, Got Willpower says, um, I noticed on the Exo Man Award number eight cover, it says, five stars, amazing front to back, comic fine. How did that get on the front cover? Did Valiant send you guys in advanced copies? We do get the, um, the occasional advanced copies, but not that that far in advance. Um, there's no way um, – well, I mean, it, it is possible, but it's not what happens where um, – we we don't read the comics that far in advance, you know, before they go to print. 
that quote uh, most likely is from like issue seven or maybe issue six. So if, if you went back, um, read some, uh, I think Matt's been reviewing those, you'll probably um, find that. Probably what you could do if you're really curious, um, and you know maybe I'll, I'll do this right now. Let's see. Um, I was going to say, you can do a, a Google search for this and find out what issue that's really from. So I don't know if that's going to work. So that was Exo Man of War, right? And people are like, this is not good podcasting, man Oh, war <laughs> um, Where I'm looking something up. So yeah, it was, okay, issue seven is what, what came up. So, um, and you know, I've, I've seen that that's happened with, I, I think I had a quote in the darkness, like 101 or something or one, maybe it was 101. It was a, a quote from issue 100. And I was like surprised at how quickly they, they got that. So, um, I don't know when they need to go to print, like what's the, the latest they can do, but obviously, you know, it was a quote from, or, or you know, a quote from issue seven made it to issue eight. So that's how it goes. Um, and you know, as as far as advanced comics, it's I don't think it's like a huge industry secret or anything. But um, sometimes we get PDFs from publishers, and you know, sometimes we get actual physical comics mailed to us. Um, those we don't get like everything. I I'm the one that goes out to the comic store every Wednesday, and you know, buys like all our comics. Um, but yeah, you know, we get some on Monday, so it's kind of nice to. To get that chance to read them, you know, read a couple before Wednesdays because Wednesdays are just insane. Trying to, you know, even if we are only doing like six or seven reviews, you know, trying to read those six or seven comics and then, you know, write out the reviews. And then plus, you know, is there any other, you know, news to post? And, you know, for me, I'm usually having to make sure I have something ready for midnight our time the next day, you know, have another post or video or something ready to go. So it, it does help. And it just, uh, give you a chance to read everything before the Friday podcast when, you know, we need to try to talk about as many books as possible. So there's a little, little inside scoop, but, um, and just so you guys know, and you know, I, I don't know if the publishers know or care, but when we get advanced copies sent, I'm still buying the books because, you know, at my, my local comic store, Isotope, um, I have a pull list. So if, if I get, you know, X book, whatever sent to me, I'm not going to say, "Hey, sorry, I know you ordered this book and you know set it aside for me." So, and also it was a book that was like in demand. If if you know they got short um, shipped some books, I might say, "Yeah, you know you can get me another copy on your reorder. That's fine." That was way too long. Clawfish says, um, "Hello, I hope this makes it on the podcast," and it did. Um, whoa, I'm sorry about this. Um, so Clawfish says, "My last question from a year ago didn't I?" I have I haven't been doing this for a year um these videos cuz I think I've only done like 25 or 26 videos it's 26 weeks um maybe it was on the other podcast I, I apologize um uh, oh and you okay so you I have one main question a second possible question from James Robson or any special guest from DC in the room right now there's no one except for me in the room and Sam's not DC <laughs> so first question is I was wondering what everyone thinks of Wildstorm's integration into the DCU. Yay, nay, don't care. What are your thoughts? You might want have wanted to send this to the other um, podcast thread if you wanted more than just my opinion. As far as Wildstorm, um, 
I, I, I think it's fascinating. I want it to be done really well. Um, there are some that I've, I've kind of like, eh, like, like Stormwatch. You know, I, I try to read it. I, I don't read it every month. I'll admit that. But, you know, I, I try to keep up with that. Um, Grifter, I, I really liked the book when it first came out, but I haven't kept up with that. And I, I don't even remember if that's canceled or not, if that's still going. Um, when I heard Deathblow was, was coming back, I was really excited about that. But then I didn't read those issues for certain readings, reasons. Um, and then, you know, we saw Z-Lot. Um, she appeared in, in Deathstroke. And so I, I, I think, it, it, you know, if, if they are in a shared universe – they should be used. You know, I I thought having Fairchild and and Superboy was was strange, but really cool at the same time. It's like I I love that kind of integration, and and that's one of the great things about the New Fifty Two is where they had that opportunity where they could introduce you know put these together like they they are in the same universe. So I think that's cool. I'd like to see more as long as it's not awkward and you know just just you know feels too forced. Um, I was really wondering if there's some kind of big big picture plot with the Wildstorm characters, like something that has to do with the Demonites being everywhere, something in the works for the future being woven through DCU right now. And if so, can you say anything about it? Um, I don't have any information on that. It did feel like that. Cause you know, like I said, we're seeing threads of that in, in some of the different books. I actually thought that there was something with the Demonites in justice league number six. Um, so when we saw those two shadowy characters at the end after, you know, Justice League saved the day from Darkseid, um, I don't think that's the case though anymore. And that Superman annual number one, which I thought was really weird, you know, because we had Hellspont back and it did, you know, we saw Grifter and Deathblow. So it did feel weird like there was – like they were trying to do some big event, but then – Either it got put on hold, it got canceled. We don't know. And and yeah, Rob Liefeld talked about you know when he made his big public exit, he commented on on you know stuff changing. So it's possible that there were these big plans, but then for whatever reason, I mean, like Age of Ultron, that was supposed to happen last year, and then that got put on hold. It's not happening till you know March. So things just change all the time for you know better or for worse. We just have to assume that. They know what they're doing, and if, if it's a good enough story, it will happen in, in some shape or form. Um, so then Clawfist says, thank you for your time. Long time listener now. So much so my wife hates it now when she hears you guys in the background. Now I wear headphones. I'm sorry to your wife. Um, I, I'm really sorry that she hates my voice or our voice. But I'm, but thanks for listening. So that, that's, that's great. Um, Spade Slick says aliens from another galaxy come to dc earth and challenge world's heroes to a high stake game of hoops with the fate of the world at stake you are assigned the job of choosing a hero for each of the five positions coach design make adjustment who do you choose um restrictions if you choose super powered hero they're not allowed to use your abilities no flight or super speed um wow so i i think the idea then is you want to have someone without superpowers so you want to have someone with natural you know agility or, or ability so you, you know you mentioned um you mentioned nightwing so yeah nightwing would be be good um oh yeah you so you said roy harper would be a great three-point sharpshooter and so on um i'm trying to think so i think someone like batman you would think batman's got to be good at basketball although does he have 
time to actually play basketball. Has he ever played bat? Has he ever played basketball? That's that's another good. What kind of childhood did he have? Did he ever shoot hoops? Is there a basketball court at in the back of Wayne Manor? That's something I want to know now. Uh, but yeah, because you could say someone like Superman, but he can't use his speed. He can't use his strength. He can't jump. Um, you can't say someone like Elongated Man or Plastic Man. We don't know where they're at in New Fifty Two. So you want to go with with you know so maybe all like the the Robins not not Damien you know Tim I wonder if Tim would be good and I th- I think I'm starting to spend too much time on this question um, I'm trying to think of other natural heroes that don't rely on their superpowers so maybe it would be the Bat Family a lot of them um, hmm. you kind of stumped me there. So I'll just go with like uh, Dick and Bruce and Jason. So that could be good. Uh, is there anyone really tall in the DC universe? Because uh, I don't know how tall like Martian Manhunter is. He can't shape shift into that. So, anyways, Carol, same. Thanks for your question, Carolina five seventy four. So big fan of podcast. One question. Is there a book that you would like to see done by a particular creative team? For example, I would love to see a Bendis Malieve, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist Heroes for Hire. Um, trying to think about that. That could be cool. Alex Malieve, so I've, I, you know, I, I've mentioned this before. He's an artist that sometimes I really like him. Sometimes I'm just like, eh. Um, but yeah, that would be interesting to see how, how that would go. Um, what immediately came to mind uh, for for whatever reason, I, you know, I was thinking back to Alan Davis on Excalibur. So, you know, I think I would love to see Alan Davis drawing Kitty Pride, Rachel Gray. She's going by Gray now or Summers. Um, and I guess, you know, I'd like to have Nightcrawler back. You know, Excalibur was just such a fun book. Not more and more that I'm thinking about it. You know, Captain Britain, Megan, uh, the old days. I'm getting a little, little sad now but um yeah i'm i'm a huge alan davis fan as i said i don't know how i feel about him on a wolverine book but i mean obviously i'm gonna check it out and paul cornell is writing that um i'm trying to think who else said you know I, I want a moon knight book what about like moon knight drawn by john byrne you know you know he's he's not doing any marvel or dc stuff now but that could be interesting to see that um because yeah i, I Trying to think if John Byrne did any, if he drew any of the West Coast Avengers books with with Moon Knight in there, because I know he was on there. Um, but yeah, Moon Knight needs a book. Or how about let's see, we, I want Richard Ryder Nova back, um, drawn by Ron Lim. You know, I loved his when he did the Silver Surfer and you know Infinity Gauntlet, all those books. Um, Rayman three 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 seven. This is his first and only post. Thank you. For using it here. Do you think there should be more Batman and Nightwing team-ups? Or do you think the Nightwing character attracts more as a solo hero? First, I want to know, Rayman3337, is I hope you're still on the site. I hope you're you're still listening to the podcast and you just ask this question and you're waiting. Like, when the heck is he going to answer my question? Because I'd like to hear – I'd like I love this question. and I'd, I'd like you to ask another one. Um I do like the the team ups. There is what was it recently? I don't. It was in um, Detective Comics. Um, there was the, the the Penguin story when 
Bruce Wayne was was targeted by the Penguin to be assassinated. I, I like that seeing them together every once in a while. I don't want them together all the time, but I think the occasional team up is is great because even though we're not really sure how much history, how many adventures they had in the New Fifty Two, they are almost equals, and it's it's great seeing them. You know, where you know, of course, Batman, you know, Bruce is going to take the lead and you know issue orders, but you know. Nightwing, Dick is is perfectly capable of of doing things on his own as well. So I, I do think that that's that's a cool thing. Um, I don't know how it would be like if if there like if we could have another book and not have everyone freak out about having to buy another Batman book because I would freak out too. Is you know a Batman and Nightwing team up book could be interesting too. But on the other hand, is you know Nightwing is such a strong character where he can stand on his own. So it's kind of a tough call where. I enjoyed it, the, the solo adventures in Nightwing book. You know, it's like I don't want Batman showing up to, you know, help or anything because Nightwing shouldn't need it. But, yeah, I like I really do like the, the occasional team-ups and where they actually have to rely on each other. And, you know, especially Batman relying on Nightwing. I think that's great. Second Fallen 616 says, hey, G-Man, love the site. Thank you. Um, you and Sarah and the rest of your team do an amazing job, you guys. Seriously enrich my personal comics world and my New Year's resolution this year has become a paying member, LOL. Great, thanks. Um, I, I, anyone who can afford to be a paying member, I, I really appreciate it. Um, and I'll just take this little segue. Is you know, I hate to say it, you know, but doing more ex- premium content depends on the number of premium members. But on the other hand, you know, you get the HD videos. You you don't get the ads in front of the videos if you're you know a paying member. But anyways, I, I understand you know. You do what you can, so I, I don't judge. Um, I see how much serious love you guys keep giving all the Valiant titles. I became the owner of a partial collection of older Valiant titles starting pretty much all the same characters. Um, I'm sorry to say that it was a disappointment to say the least. I realize that it's dated and whatnot, but compared to um, the same time frame over at other publishers, yeah, not so good. Um, yeah, so nothing can compare compared to the Deathmate Checkmate event, Valiant popped out into deranged monkey butlers, holographic foil cover, wrapped serving dish. Yeah. Um, that was a different time in comics, and unfortunately, I mean, there's a reason those comics didn't survive, I guess you could say. I mean, I, I hate to, to put it like that, but um, they they just didn't didn't make it. You know, people just, like, they weren't into it. Um, did did you read any Valiant titles back in the day? If so, what were they? So, I, yeah, I mentioned that before. I, I read some. I didn't read a whole lot of Exo Man of War. Um, I do remember picking up Bloodshot, you know, a couple issues. Um, I have, uh, like, literally, like, you know, a couple issues. I mean, like, like one or two. Um, I have a couple issues of Turok, Dinosaur Hunter. But, yeah, I just never really got into them. And, you know, part of it was, you know, budget reasons and just so many other comics. Not as many comics as we have today, but there were, there were a lot. Um, out of the relaunch Valiant titles, what two would you honestly recommend? Um, so I, I mentioned Exo Man of War and Bloodshot just because those are the ones that I really keep up with that I have read. Um, I know Matt loves like Archer and Armstrong, <coughs> but I haven't had a chance to really get into that, to, you know, to get a feel for it. So that's what I would say. But, you know, I'm not saying that those are necessarily the best, but um, that's a good question for like Matt or Greg, like if they had to to choose between questions spam that x button 
says, does Detective Comics have to focus on Batman? Since the comic has a title Detective Comics, wouldn't it be more interesting to have some other characters resolve crime using detective work? Gotham PD, maybe? I have read the Gotham PD comic book series. Batman and Bat Family doesn't need to be in every issue. Um, I, I agree. Um, I, I would love to see Detective Comics branch out a little bit. And, you know, I, I think there's room for that because not to knock any of the stories that have been in Detective Comics, that we have so, we have all the other Batman titles. Like, we don't necessarily need, you know, four, Batman title. So I would, and you know, I, I brought up like a Batman family book before. I would love to see other characters get the spotlight. Like, you know, maybe one story f- issue focuses on Damien, or maybe we see like Damien and Tim together doing something. Yeah. I think that'd be cool. And maybe we could have like spoiler or, or um, Cassandra Kane, you know, have them do things or maybe even, you know, Alfred and Batcow. I think that would be really cool. Cause you know, Batwoman took over detective comics for a while when, when Dick Grayson was was Batman, so I don't see why it has to be. Um, you know, if you look back historically or whatever, you know, the very first issue, um, you know, Detective Comics, it wasn't to like issue twenty seven when Batman first appeared. So it's it's not like it has to be Batman in there, but it's just what everyone associates with Detective Comics. And spam that X button says, "I'm a huge Batman fan. Not sure how everyone else feels, but I think the talent arc." would have made a better impact if it was done before the new 52. Maybe I'm just feeling Batman fatigue. I don't know. Um, that would be weird. If it happened pre new 52, you know, there'd be more experience on everyone. And you know, that, that could be, that could give the bat family more of an edge. So I don't know. Um, second question. I like Nightwing better when he was in Bloodhaven going solo. Gotham is overused as a crime city. Also Bloodhaven seemed more exciting since it wasn't used before. Am I in a minority in thinking this? Not necessarily. I mean, blood, the Bloodhaven stories were great. And it was a time where we actually saw Dick Grayson branch out again, you know, go on his own. You know, he was – Bloodhaven was going to be his own city. You know, Gotham has Batman and, you know, Huntress and, you know, the other, you know, heroes around. So it was nice to see someone else get a hero. But at the same time, there's something really cool about Dick Grayson finally saying, yeah, you know, Gotham City is my home. And, you know, because it's, it's a big city and Batman can't be everywhere. He shouldn't be able to be everywhere. So I think, you know, there, there's something to that where um, it, it's just it's hard to say where. But at the same time, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens where, you know, maybe he shouldn't stick around. You know, having Haley Circus or Halley Circus, whichever you prefer, you know, set up shop or have an amusement park outside of Gotham. We'll have to see what happens after Death of the Family. Bob's a nub is back. Um, so yeah, I, these questions got split the the page um, and whatever. Um, I don't know how deep you have dug into publisher since you've discovered how awesome the Valiant relaunch truly is. But is there any particular character title you like to see revived as they did the current lineup? Um, if you got this question already in the past, um, what genre would you like to see next from Valiant? Um, we already have comedic action adventure archer and armstrong sci-fi with bloodshot teen hero drama harbinger mystical horror shadow man and sword and sci-fi exo man of war um i'm curious about turok um i don't even know if turok is still under the valiant banner or if they own that because also i i thought dr solar 
was under um, Valiant, but I know Dr. Solar was relaunched recently at um, Dark Horse. They did some comics. So I don't know where, where that that lasts or, or where that, that's at right now. Um, I, I Other than these characters here, I honestly can't think of any other Valiant characters. Um, I, I imagine there must be other ones, but those are the ones that come to mind. Um, Bob Zanuba says, I heard Glory got canceled. Do you see any possibility to make it come back if the upcoming issue and trades produce better sales? Um, it it could be. I mean, it, it just depends on on what the numbers are. And um, Joe Keating, I'm sure he'd like to still do it. I know you know some people were, were trying to keep it going, but you know, he's doing um, Morbius, the living vampire now. I can't remember if he's doing something else as well. So... I, it's just hard to say what what people want, and you know if if it does get put in a trade, and if it does well, I don't know if they say, "Hey, let's give this another shot." I, I think they might be a little hesitant, but you never know. I mean, if demand is there, you know they're going to want to make some money off of it. You know, um, Bob's and up says, "Let's say Scott Liddell gets taken down off Teen Titans and Superman. Who would you like to see writing these series?" In order to make your answer easier, let's say in this hypothetical situation, Scott was taken off because he had to work on the script of the Justice League movie. Um, for Teen Titans, oh, this is I'm, I'm trying. I'd I'd love Jeff Johns to go back to Teen Titans. Um, those were I I love those issues. Those were great. Um, I'm trying. We don't have a lot of kids books in in a DC. I'm and I know I'm, I'm mainly thinking of of DC writers, which I don't necessarily have to, but that's likely how it would be. Um, yeah. Someone who's, I mean, what about like Brian K Vaughn? You know, he did an incredible job with the runaways, you know, having him back on teen Titans would, would be good. Um, yeah, I don't I'm, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm stumped there to think of anyone else. As far as Superman, um, you know, I, I would say, Scott Snyder. Um, so maybe instead of a, a third Superman book, he comes on there, but maybe not. Um, so if we got him on there, we got uh, Andy Diggle on action. Who else would I want to see doing Superman? Um, wow. I'm really getting stumped here and I, I apologize. Um, but I, uh, blah, 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 blah. Let's see. I, I But I, I do think it would be interesting to, to get, a Marvel person, you know, we're never going to see, I don't know, I shouldn't say never, but we're never going to see like, like Bendis or Hickman or, you know, Rick Remender, Matt Fraction. You know, it, it'd be so weird to see you know, Matt Fraction writing Superman. I mean, that would be so bizarre. It's like, I wonder if he's ever even thought of it or is he's just like, nah. So, but it would be, it would be cool to see someone who is not a current DC writer do it and you know, just see what they would do to it. You know, how, how it would flow with the rest. The finality says, Jimmy and I've been reading X-Men or Associated Comics for years and something always bothers me. Ilyana Rasputin's soul sword. It's said that it only harms magical creatures and or spells. It's the ultimate expression of her sorcery. But I can remember a couple times where it did affect non-magical entities or objects. For example, when New Mutants first fought the Hellions, Ilyana used it on a mutant, Katsai, who was not magical in nature and, and floored her with it. Another example is Eliana got overcome by her dark side and held the mutants captive 
and destroyed a rock with a sword. Warlock commented on how the pieces of the rock had been magically mutated into aberrations, while everyone was surprised it affected the rock at all. So what's the deal? It's finicky and, depends, it's, and dependent on the writer? Probably. Um, are there exceptions? There could be. I know the soul sword can harm Kitty Pride even while she's phased, and that Kitty can wield a weapon, and it has something to do with this weird spiritual connection between them, but that doesn't account for these other instances. Um, until comics used to amaze me, make mine comic mind. Um, yeah, it, I think it, the, the main, the true reason is it depends on the writer, whether they are aware of that or care about that or say, eh, I'm going to overlook this because this would be really cool here. So that's just like, like even now I, I, I totally forgot about this. It's like, I, I'm trying to think back recent you know, appearances. Has she done anything with her soul sword like that? So yeah, it's, it's really up to the writer and you know, with her, you know, supposedly dying, coming back and we were born and things could change. You know, maybe it, she got an upgrade on it. I don't know. Matt wing 87 with all the numerous crime shows on TV. What do you think of a Gotham city police department show? Gordon would be the main character and him and the other officers would solve cases in Gotham. It wouldn't have to show Batman. He could just be a legend or, or a nuisance among the force. Same with the villains. The show would be centered around the drug and crime family cases or the aftermath of villain battles. What do you think? I well, obviously I love that idea. I don't know how it would work. Um, Cause you, you know, you'd have to tell the writers and the networks that, you know, we want to do a serious crime TV show with the occasional costume, you know, hints of costume or superheroes or you know, something like that. But obviously, you know, Gotham PD was, was a great series. There's, there's definitely definite room for there. And, it could be, you know, a good thing, you know, instead of having like, not that CSI is necessarily a, a crime, it is a crime show in a way, but why not capitalize on, you know, the Batman, the DC name brand and do something really cool like that. Um, but that's, that's kind of also the, the, the problem with, with powers, you know, we're, we're still waiting for that for whatever reason that show can't be made. And I know that would probably feature more superheroes, which could be tricky. So it would be good, but then I'm also reminded of the Birds of Prey series, which you know maybe I'd have to watch that again. But there was always like it's like how come Batman's not in in this this show? It's like, and I don't remember if if something if he died or if he's just not having anything to do with them. Because you know if he did have a show, it's like you would expect Batman to to come around at some point. But I like the idea. I don't know. Maybe. maybe I don't know. We'll have to wait and see, but just, I don't want it on a CW. No offense. Um, it, cause it has to be not, not, you know, I, I, let me clarify that, you know, it has to be serious and, and yeah, we're seeing arrow has a sort of serious nature to it. I mean, there it, in terms of, you know, themes and, and violence. Um, so it, it would, it would be interesting to see. um, Mario Gumball X says, do you answer questions about comics based off of other media, such as the Sonic the Hedgehog comics or Star Wars comics? Um, I'll say yes. Um, I've been wanting to get into um, Sonic the Hedgehog. It just hasn't happened. Like um, the last issue that came out, I I was actually going to review it and I just, I didn't even get to it. Um, Star Wars comics. I I absolutely love Star Wars and I love good star wars comics um like you know the brian wood um first issue that that was good 
Um, so yeah, I would, I would, I could sit and just go on and on about Star Wars or Star Wars comics if if you want to ask. Which Iron Man? Uh, let's see. Which Iron Man movie did you like better, the first one or the second one, and why? Um, I've, I've, this was just asked I, like a week or two ago on on the other podcast. Um, I, the first one was was better. I liked a lot of stuff about the second one, but there are parts of it were just a mess. I didn't really care about Whiplash, but then I also I kind of didn't wasn't absolutely crazy about Ironmonger. Um, so I'd probably go with the first one. I mean, it was just really cool seeing the origin, all that. Well, I like Black Widow in the second one. <laughs> Um, do you think there will be an X-Men reboot before 2015? No, because what, we're in 2013? Before 2015? Probably not before. Because, um, you know, we have the Wolverine movie coming out this year. We have um, X-Men, the Days of Future Past. Um, but it's probably getting close. Um, and then the last question, if you answered yes to the first question, what do you think of Sonic 225? So I haven't read that yet, so I, I'm sorry, but... I'm going to – I really want to start keep get, getting caught up with that and same with Mega Man. Um, Hazmat103, forgive me if you already answered this question first, um, but first time poster. I'll ask this very quickly. What if I read very slow? I just read Hush and Under the Hood back-to-back. And basically, were there plans bringing Jason back when Jeff was writing Hush or did Winnick just draw from that? Thanks, guys. So I, I think – feels like this was asked – I don't know if you asked this on the other podcast um, – I remember, and what I mentioned, I, I didn't look it up after talking about this before. I remember there being some, um, like something about but but this coming up it was like whether it was intentional or not, um, because like with with Hush, obviously it it wasn't the case, but I'm sure there was probably some. It maybe it was, I I don't understand. I'm just speculating now. Where I, I kind of feel like that, you know, they were kind of going that way, and then they're like, "Well, maybe we should do this," because um, it it was weird. It's like Jason Todd's back. No, he's not. Wait, he's back now for real. So, I, I'd imagine that. I don't know. I, I honestly can't say whether bringing him back in Hush, which turned out not to be him, if if they're like, "Hey, people really like that idea. Let's do that." So, I, I don't know, but I, I I enjoyed Hush and Under the Red Hood. Nightwing82, first-time poster, long-time listener. As the dust settles um, from Amazing Spider-Man 700, which I had to get from Comixology along with Avenging 15.1, and I, as I wasn't sure when I'd get my copies delivered to me in the UK, didn't want it spoiled. Um, just a couple questions, so I think it's safe to um, read these now. Do you think Pete deserved a better send-off? I have no doubt he'll be back, but after the build-up from the previous issues, he seems to be going out with a little bit of a whimper. Yeah, I mean that that's I think what a lot of people are bothered that, you know, Doc Ock of all people defeated Spider-Man. If he did, um I I still question whether um Peter Parker is actually dead or if he thinks he died and so forth. Um so yeah, you would think it would be more cuz and I guess I guess the other thing is like no one knows that Peter Parker died in this battle. You know, so it's it's just like like, oh, he's dead. Hey, but it looks like he's still here, but he's not. After reading Avenging 15.1, Uatu Jackson says to Otto Pete, and I quote, yeah, and I think I found a way to actually catch a ghost and hold it indefinitely. Do you think this could be Marvel's way of getting Peter Parker back? Just immediate, immediate thought I had whilst reading the issue or just a thought about the Amazing Spider ghost just messing. Love the site, especially both podcasts. Hopefully Peter Parker won't be gone too long. Um, It could be. 
Yeah, it's 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 hard to say whether they would go that way. My problem with with the ghost thing, because obviously this has has come up, is at some point, you know, when the news comes out that Peter Parker is coming back, um, the big big media, you know, USA Today or Entertainment Weekly, you know, they might want to report on that. You know, it's a return to Peter Parker, and you know, since they they covered this. If they have to say they found a ghost of Peter Parker and put him back in his body, I think the non-comic people, you know, reading are be like that is ridiculous. You know, it sounds ridiculous to us comic book readers, but to a non-comic book reader, it would sound even more ridiculous. So I just that's why I I want to say that that's not the way they're going to go. And that's why I'm going with the the way that Peter is Peter, but thinks he's Doc Ock in Peter's body. Um. Skunkstein, I'm surprised no one's asked this question before. So it's one of those, um, and I'll try to censor myself here. F, marry or kill, um, Jean Grey, Wonder Woman, um, Big Barda. Um, I guess going in order, I if I had to choose, I would probably go with Wonder Woman first. I'd marry Jean Grey and then I don't want to kill Bill. Bill bleh. I don't want to kill Big Barda, but um, sorry, she would out of those three. She's she would be number three. So I hope that answers your question and take what, from it what you want. Um, Hunter fifty twenty four. So I was curious why you don't do end of the year awards on Comic Vine. That's some of my favorite content over on Giant Bomb. And I'd be really interested to know the comics you, Sarah, and other members of the staff enjoyed most this year. If you could get the opinions of some comic creators or friends, um, that would be even better. I think there's a lot of potential for interesting award categories like best new character, most improved character. Um, maybe it would be a lot of work. I think the content would be worth it. That is the main thing is it is a lot of work. We did one, I believe it was 2008. We actually did it. It was cool. We had this 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 um, tool in there um, on our site. It, it doesn't work now. It didn't carry over. Something happened to it. But there is a way where um, we got user votes and and then there was like s- staff votes. So this was you know a while ago and it was it was really nice you know format. Um, but it, it does take a lot of time um, for me. You know I, I'm not trying to like you know boohoo woes me, but you know I, I I spend a lot of time on the site. You know I I get up you know, before you know I get up like four thirty in the morning and you know to get ready for the East Coast and. You know, I, I take a, I have to drive down to the ferry building and, you know, I work on the ferry um, and then I'm here, you know, more, I, it, this, it's not a nine to five job is basically what I'm saying is, you know, I, I leave after five and I'm working on the ferry home and then sometimes at night, you know, I got to do some final tweaks and stuff. So there is a lot to do. I would have loved to have done the end of the year this past um, December. It just didn't happen. I mean, what it comes down to is I, I, I can't do it all. And, you know, other people are busy doing their own thing. Um, and then it, it, it also, December just kind of snuck up. It, it just got closer and closer, and then it just didn't happen. So I'm really hoping that for this year, 2013, we do that. Um, and and even like the the 13 comics we're looking forward to, that was like a total last-minute thing. That was like, I was like, okay, we need to do this. And, you know, so I just sent the email out and asking everyone's like, you know, 
you need to pick two or three books. You know, what, what do you want to, what are you looking forward to? And then, you know, give me a, 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 a description as to why. So, yeah, I, I definitely want to do it. But also, I mean, you got to think about with Giant Bomb is they have a lot more people on staff. Here, it's just Sarah and I in the building. You know, Greg and Matt are, and Corey, you know, they're they're not here in the building. So it's a lot harder. They do a lot of video stuff. They have two video producers. Um, we have zero video producers. You know, I I I film, edit, and and post, you know, the, the best stuff of the week, the uh, spoilers and the ask and you shall receive you know sarah edits the um news video you know we don't even have a camera guy it's 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 on a tripod you know just just to lay it all out there so it's it's harder when you know we don't have a huge team working with us because you know everyone they're doing their own stuff and you know if it came down to it we could get you know someone to help us but it's just a matter of of spreading everything around so but maybe this year dalek doctor 2011 I've decided not to pick up Superior Spider-Man and switch to Ultimate Spider-Man um, instead as I'm not happy with the way things ended. I have a few questions about the Aftermath of 700, so I'd like to hear your thoughts on the future of New Spider-Man. Why are you asking if you're not going to read it? Huh? Um, first question, do you think Doc Ock is a good replacement for Peter, or is it too early to say? Um, if not, who would you have chosen? Well, obviously he's not a good replacement because he, he's a villain, and even if he's a villain that didn't intend to be a villain and you know does want to do the right thing. Um, I, yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't choose him. Um, who would I choose? You know, you, you want someone, you know, you want another hero. You want someone that that's good or noble. I don't know if I'd necessarily say like some like daredevil, but you know, you want someone good that, that, that could do it. Um, what Spider-Man villains do you think would make good villains for spider Ock? I, I do. I loved the idea of him fighting the, the sinister six. I'm just going up against you know some of the people that he did work with because he he has that advantage of of knowing both sides you know how they operate you know Spider-Man has fought them many times Doc Ock has worked with them many times so that would be really cool to see and also it's like you know I want to see this Spider-Man go up against Kane Scarlet Spider or you know just just to see how you know what about Venom you know Carnage just to see how um spider Ock would 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 handle him what other villains do you think would be good for spider Ock's rogues so i mentioned some there how long do you think spider Ock will last before peter comes back um originally i said like a year year and a half but then i have my my two-year theory because then you know when it gets to the the 50th issue um instead of um superior spider-man 50 it'd be amazing spider-man 750 so but yeah that is a long time because we're talking twice a month too so but i I could see it being two years because Batman was gone for two years. Captain America was gone for two years, but that was a different situation because they weren't replaced by an enemy. So it's hard to say, but I'd say at least a year, a year and a half. Um, how do you think Kane will react? He finds out about the body swap, Peter's death, um, bearing in mind he, he already killed Ock back in the nineties. So yeah, that they got to do that. And I'm assuming Dan Slott and Chris Yost, you know, have already talked about that. Um, did you have a good Christmas? Did you watch the Doctor Who Christmas special? Um, if so, what do you make it clear? I have not actually. I have not watched it yet. I still have um, a couple episodes of of the last. So I, I actually um, I shouldn't even mention it, but I I haven't seen the final um, of the other ones, and I don't want to say because I don't want anyone to spoil. If I say I don't know how that ended, and they're gonna say, "Well, this happened," um, Doctor Evil Porkchop. 
says, go back to the videos, please, or at least answer my questions on the video. Um, here are my questions. Well, I am sorry. Um, I'm going to answer them here. <laughs> uh, maybe the next question, though, because I, I, I remember your name. I know you asked a good question last time. Um, do you watch a Walking Dead TV show, and why do you think that the show keeps being getting adored when it comes to awards? I just think it's, it's a genre that it's a great show and you know, it, but did she even get like, you know, special effects or something? But I just think people are like, Oh, it's a zombie show and they don't want to take it seriously. Even though, you know, there's some, some crazy stuff. There's that one issue or one issue, one episode. I think it was the third one of this season. If you know what I'm talking about, Oh my goodness, that punched you in the gut and dug the heel in on top of it. Oh man, that was bad. Um, but in a good way, um, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, you know, we used to not have animated awards for like the Oscars, and and now there's a category, you know, for that. So maybe it'll it'll ha- happen hopefully soon. Um, how do you feel about the ending of Amazing Spider-Man? Do you think it was a wise choice of Marvel to kill off Peter Parker? I've talked about that many times, and yeah, this question's from a couple weeks ago. Um, it's but like I said, it's a story. I don't want to see Peter Parker gone. I want the regular Spider-Man that I know and love. But I'm willing to see how this goes because I think there there are definite stories to be told here. Would you have killed off Peter Parker if you were Dan Slott or would you have gone against Marvel and quit writing for them? Um, I know that is how he makes his money, but how c- can he kill millions of comics fans' favorite superheroes? Well, the big question is, whose idea was this? I, I don't think it was necessarily Marvel. Now, obviously, Dan Slott can't just say, hey, Marvel, I'm going to kill off Spider-Man. It could be like, um, this it's a good question. I don't know if he's answered this, but he may have said, "Hey, I got this crazy idea." Because I know he he talked about this on the podcast. I don't think I asked him specifically about this when he was on, but obviously he had the story to tell, and he it's I so I really don't think Marvel came up to him and suggested it, and then he laid out his plans. I really think he had this whole thing mapped out, and then Marvel's like, you know, that just might work. Um. So yeah, it, but it it is hard, and I, again, I totally get people being upset. But we've seen so many deaths in comic book that you know it's 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 not going to last. And again, because it's Spider Man, because so many people know him, he's he's going to be back. So you just got to be patient. I mean, hopefully, you see that hey, this this is an interesting story. And, you know, you're not going to be completely opposed or upset. You know, maybe, I don't know. I, I You know, I don't want to speak for other people, but I, I find it exciting. And just because I feel in my gut that things will go back somehow. Dalek Doctor 2011 says, what happened to Lyra, the Savage She-Hulk? That is another good question. Um, I think it was an Incredible Hulks. I think she was part of that, too. Where that just, you know, that series ended and we just never saw it. It's like, where's A-Bomb? Where's... <laughs> getting a new name i hope you know what happened to, to rick jones um just comic book limbo is is the answer you know like like where's moon knight you know he his series ended and unfortunately what happens sometimes where you know you, you a series ends or whatever and then it's just like well we got nowhere to put him right now so that's just what, what's going to happen so i don't know um I'm not sure what what people really thought about her. I mean, I thought she was she was interesting, so I can't see him just saying, "Let's forget it." Um, I'm never gonna see her again. 
All right. Um, I apologize, but I'm going to shift over to um, Twitter now to do some of these questions. Um, Elwood Toast, any idea when a new Snyder Lee Superman is set to release? As far as I know, I, I don't remember if I answered this last time. You know, I think I, I might have, but um, I'll answer it again because uh, as far as I know, there there is no no set um, time. There, it's not, not set to be released because I think it, last I heard it, it was like, like spring or summer. And yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I answered this, but I, you know, you would think being released around the time of the movie would be a good idea. Um, so I don't know. Um, yeah. So John Rubini said, if Mike Albrecht could do any book, DC or Marvel. So I think I, I answered that one. Um, okay. Here's, here's one. I'm pretty sure I don't, I didn't read this one. Tim dog 98 says, since green arrows younger than new 52, could Roy Harper have been his sidekick? They look the same age. Now there was an issue of red hood and outlaws where, um, there was like a, a little flashback, and I don't think he was necessarily his partner, but um, or I mean his sidekick. But I think they're more like partners, like almost on an equal footing. Where Green Arrow may have been had a slight edge um, in terms of abilities, but yeah, it wasn't like you know he was his ward. Obviously, you know that that didn't happen. So um, yeah, so that's just one of the little tweaks that that happened. Uh, the Ant Villain with Hellblazer ending soon. Are you going to make a three-minute expert on John Constantine? Um, per, I'm going to say probably not. I'm still trying to figure out the sta- state status of three-minute expert videos. I'd like to do more. Um, it's beginning of the year, and it's just a matter – obviously, that's not something I would do myself in terms of, of editing it. Um, so I I do want to do more. They do take a lot of times, but it's worth doing. So I'm going to say chances are probably not because if I were to do one, that should happen before the book comes out. And that's, um, is that like March? It's coming up. Um, Sin Q Nuno, was there ever a Green Lantern from Krypton? I want to say no. I'm pretty sure the answer is no. Um, yeah, because there is there is a question of, you know, did um, – yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. I, I, I think it, it's, it's no, because you would think a Green Lantern would say, "Hey, my, my, my planet, help me, Guardians, let's do something." So, but that, that's the other question. I guess there was no, who was the, the Green Lantern of that sector? Um, because Abin Sur, you know, supposedly he was supposed to go to Krypton or something. Uh, yeah, um, Caleb's a spy says seems like DC animated movies are greater than Marvel animated live action the other way around. Why do you think this is? It's, I don't think there's any particular reason. It just might be where they put their focus. Um, you know, Marvel, they, they got, got off on a right, right start. I mean, if you think about, you know, there were some movies that weren't that great. So it's not like all Marvel movies are better than DC movies. Cause you know, a lot of people really like the Batman movies, uh, the dark Knight ones. Um, you know, a lot of people did not like daredevil or Electra or X-Men origins Wolverine. So it just really depends on how you look at it. And as far as Marvel animated, you know, there's been some good Marvel anime, you know, spectacular Spider-Man was good. That was produced by Sony. So, um, you know, Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes, a lot of people like that. 
So I think it just depends on, on where their focus is and the strengths of the studio and, and who they get um, on on the particular projects. So hopefully they both will thrive in both areas because then that way we win. Um, OQ, oh, I asked that question. Um, that was about Wolverine's Claws. Um if you could, this is from Johnny Joker twenty eight. If you could only read five titles a month, which five would you read? This is going to be tough. Um, I would go, and I have not given this a lot of thought, so I'm probably going to regret just just going off my gut. You know, I'm going to say Batman. I'd probably say uh, Walking Dead. Um, now here's where I get stumped. You know, I'm going to say Spider Man, whether superior or amazing. Definitely going to say that. Um, so now I got two more to choose from. Um. Oh, I want a, a X Men book, but there's so many. You know, I've been liking Wolverine X Men. Um, Uncanny X Force is actually it's really good. Um, I think Sarah's reviewing that today, but I would have given it a five out of five. So I I don't know what what Sarah's giving it. Um. And what else is there? So do I? I like the Flash or Justice League. Actually, you know, um, the other one is Justice League of America is going to be really good. I'm going to predict that right now. So let's say that. Um, I think I've gone over my five, so that would be tough. I hate those kind of questions, but I will still answer them. They're, they're tough. I hate them because they're tough, but it's not like I, I don't want those questions. Um, let's see. T.F. Crocky, Robert Ross. What do you think Madam Webb wrote in a letter sent to Kane? Does she know about Superior? Is she warning Kane? This is a... A good question here. Um, you know, I'm actually going to put this on this question on pause, and maybe I don't know if I'll do a video response to this because this I, I did think about this. Um, I, I want to think about this some more, so let, let's put that one on the table for now or on on on, on hold. Elwood Toast, when comic artists draw their pencil version on pages, is it drawn larger to add more detail than resized to fit a comic book, a comic page? Um, yeah, uh, I, I guess so, because they, they draw on um, 11 by 17 pages. So if you've ever seen any original art, you can always see original art at, at comic conventions. Um, so they are, are bigger. Um, and then I guess they get resized and all that. So uh, I guess that answers that question. Um, DJ Cantrip, whatever happened to Transonic from Generation Hope after Avengers vs. X-Men? I've not seen her and Wolverine and um, the X-Men or any other X-Books since. Again, it's it's probably comic book limbo. She's uh, – because she, she was on uh, – what happened to everyone on the island, I guess, is a question. Because, you know, Cyclops lost. The island, I guess, got shut down. Um, I would think most of them probably ended up going to the school. But, you know, yeah, where are the, the five lights, the others, all of them? Um, just maybe just taking a vacation. I don't know. Um, Nightwing 70, Carlos says, I have a budget for four Marvel Now titles. Which would you recommend? Two from Tony, two from Sarah. Well, Sarah's not here. Um, maybe people aren't aware that Ask G-Man ones are questions that I ask myself. Um, Sarah would... I think right now, because she said New Avengers is her favorite, is one of her favorite books right now. So she would definitely pick that. Um, and then it'd be a to- toss up from, from her between Fantastic Four and Future Foundation. Um, 
I would say um, Superior Spider-Man, and I don't Hawkeye's not necessarily a Marvel Now book. So I don't know if if you're saying Marvel books in general. Um, I definitely got to say All New X Men. I'm loving that, but there's so many good books. Um, four. I'm sorry if you only can get four Marvel Now. I mean, hopefully you can get other. You're getting other Marvel books as well. Um. Nightwing 78 also says, I was watching the first episode of the Young Justice Invasion to get ready for the new ones. And in episode 8, they're in the grotto um, with the holograms of fallen teammates, and one of them is Robin. Could that be Jason Todd? Um, I'm trying to think if there's – I am I I wish I could – I should go back and rewatch everything. But with the gap and everything, I'm trying to remember what has or hasn't happened. But, yeah, I would say that because we have Nightwing and we have Tim on there. Um. And then, do you know what episode of Young Justice Invasion that Deathstroke will appear in? Um, love everything about Comic Vine. You guys rock. Thanks. I do not know. Um, I'm just really concerned about Young Justice. I, I want it to go on forever. Um, and our last question comes from Joshko. Who is Harper Rowe? She seems like she's a significant character, but I've only seen her two times. Is she Jason's sister? First of all, um, she's appeared three times um her very first appearance which i've noticed on on some sites they got it wrong her first appearance was in the batman number one she was in that one panel where um lincoln march was giving his speech or no bruce wayne was giving a speech about rebuilding gotham and all that it was issue i think it was six where um she kind of saved batman and then he's like i told you stay away and all this um and then it was issue two 12, I may have these numbers wrong, um, the Becky Cloonan one where she was there. Um, we don't know a lot about her. So issue 12, if you haven't read that, that kind of gives some of her story. We see her and her brother. Um, she's she's a, a smart kid. Um, you know, She's trying to help Batman out. She works um, in the, the sewer tunnels, <laughs> um, you know, with the electrical stuff and all that. So she, you know, she did some stuff that, you know, she wants to help Batman. Um, and then she's going to appear in issue 18. And... Um, so I, I posted an interview last week with Scott Snyder where, you know, he said that, you know, they want to make her a big part of the family. We don't know what, we don't know how, so we're just gonna have to wait and see, you know, some people said, it's like, oh, she's going to be the new Oracle, which, you know, maybe some people are like, oh, she's going to be new Robin, but you know, we have Damien. So we just have to wait and see where she's going to fit. Um, I, there's also people say she's going to be the new Herald where, you know, she's going to you know, build some tech stuff, which, you know, I could see that too. Cause you know, she, what she did in issue 12, you know, with the, the cameras and, and all that. So we'll have to see, but Scott Snyder has plans for her. Um, is she Jason's sister? Um, I would say probably not. So yeah, there was a question like what happened to the Jason Todd's sister in the, um, Red Hood and Outlaws number zero. We see, um, when Jason's dad was arrested that his mom was pregnant. So it's like, um, there's been no mention of that, uh, none of the issues. So it sure did look like she was pregnant. So um, we'll have to wait and see if Scott Liddell, now that he's not writing it, um, we may never know. So we'll have to have to wait and see. That's a good question for James Tynan. So um, does Jason still have a sister? So that is it. We're at the two hour mark. So I'm going to call this a show. Thank you for your questions. Um, so again, if you have questions, ask them on the Ask G-Man video question thread. 
Asked him on Twitter. It's G Man from Heck. Use the hashtag AskGMan. Thanks to Sam Humphreys for joining us. Um, make sure you pick up his books. Uh, he's got Uncanny X Force, so that comes out today. Um, he's got Sacrifice Number Four. That's his creator owned stuff. If you haven't read that, you can check him out on Comicsology. I imagine all four issues are there now. He's also doing Ultimate Comics Ultimates, so read that. And like you know, what I said to him, he's he's kind of guiding. And that's like the core Ultimate books. You know, even though Bendis has been doing Ultimate Spider-Man for a while, you know, Ultimates is shaping more the direction of the overall environment and not just the little corner that Miles Morales is in. So thanks for listening. Um, should be back again next week with another guest. Um, actually, I can't even tease who the next guest is because I haven't figured it out yet. So I should probably start making plans for that to to figure out who, who will be here next week. But chances are there should be someone. Thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you guys soon. So, so my question, my is, question is, is, who could it be? We don't, we don't know. know. And I would like to ask you which comic book does affect you most emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. That's the question. question. Don't shake your head. I love Alan Davis. This is a John Byrne issue. I love Alan Davis. I, 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 I wasn't a fan of this. That's the question. You can't blame the immediate creative team. I give this a two. I give this a two. <laughs>